0: I'm the lead pastor here at First Open Bible. So glad that you're here this morning. I want to preach a word because God has something for us because we have some ministry, but I'm going to buzz through it since God has called us to. But there is a great word that I got to get into this morning for you because I, I know it's gonna strengthen you and it is going exactly where we are right now. It's exactly what God has and I'm so, it's so awesome, right? Anybody who's ever been a pastor, anybody who's ever preached before, a lot of times you prepare and it's not until this very moment right here that you go, yes, that's right. I mean, you could be questioning it all along, right? Am I right? Like you can be preparing all along and you're like, God, I, I believe this is what you want. It's pretty satisfying when you go, yeah, it is what he wanted. Man, it feels good. Amen. Is every Amen. Come. On. Come on, baby girl. Oh, sweetie. Before, before I move on, is your heart ready for what God wants to do? Is your heart open for what God wants to do? Because if it's not, you won't receive and you'll leave exactly the same you came in. That whole thing that just happened, I cannot explain that in the natural. To me, in the natural, it is so weird. I'm not going to lie to you like, you, like you ain't thinking that, right? It is weird, but in the supernatural, it's right. I've been on both ends. I've been like, man, that's a bunch of craziness. Then I've been in like, but God, that's a lot of authenticness. No wonder that I can't actually know what you want to do because I'm so stuck in the natural, I never get the supernatural. If you don't expect the supernatural, you'll always be natural and you'll miss out on everything God wants to do because God is what? Supernatural. How do you expect to get God if all you want to be is natural? It's going to be weird. Have you even read the Bible? There ain't one story in there that's like, oh, that made a lot of sense. Right? Every story, every person that stepped out, it was crazy. Nobody believed them, it was insane. But it was God, and things happened. Amen? Yeah. It's not always probable, but with God, it's always possible. Right? Because it's not always just about people. It's not always about natural things. It's always about God and the supernatural things. When his supernatural meets our natural, we are changed. Pastor Mark, thanks for preaching last week on uh, We Are the Church. It was a good word. I listened to most of it. We were driving back hills of Missouri um, where most people put all of their lawn furniture in their front porch. Uh, y'all laugh if you've been driving through. You're like, wow, do they have any furniture inside of the house? I wonder. I don't know. So, uh, But we were driving and it was going in and out. It was a great word. Thank you for ministering. I appreciate it. We're going to conclude our two month series titled Identity in Crisis. This morning, we're going to place our false labels and our self-deception on the altar of God's truth. It's time to embrace who you are and become a living sacrifice that's holy and surrendered to God. Now this is what's hard for me to understand, church, as a believer. That there are people who hear God's word constantly and have absolutely no desire or, or any intention to change anything about their life based on what they experienced or heard or, or, or hearing God's word. It is so hard for me to see that, not only as a pastor, but as a believer, they choose to have a faith that is stale. See, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. Now, just hearing God's word alone will never build a strong, confident, and effective Christian. It's not just about hearing God's word. See, if you want strength in Christ, that's going to take place with genuine discipline, Who's going to discipline you? You discipline yourself, right? I have self-discipline. I'm going to get into God's word. I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to change stuff in my life. I once did this, but I'm going to choose this. I want to sin, but I'm not going to sin because I'm going to discipline myself to choose God's ways over my own. Strength in Christ takes place through genuine discipline, frequent discipleship, And doing something about your faith. No one's ever met a strong Christian. That literally does nothing about their faith. I'm going to be so real today. It's going to be real real. here's Here's what breaks my heart church. That people can listen every week to a godly message. That no matter how direct. How anointed. How prophetic the word of the Lord is. They have already solved it in their heart that they will never change. Or they think, I don't have to change. They're willingly choosing to identify with their current status, their current mindsets, and their current habits. These people keep living in crisis because they never want Christ to change them. They instead expect Christ to change everyone and everything else around them. And here, here you go, church. Here it is. If you refuse to change, don't expect your life to change. That is so easy and simple. But yet, it's so profound. See, a healthy and godly life is one that is willing to constantly change. Now, I know your neighbor is thankful you are not the same person you were 10 years ago. <laughs> I know that your neighbor is thankful, and your family and your friends are thankful. You're not the same person you were 15, 20 years ago. Amen? And everybody's thankful you're not the same person you were in high school. (laughs) I love you. I love you. You're going to get that in about five to ten years. You're also going to realize mom and dad aren't as dumb as I thought they were. They actually make sense. It's coming. It's about 22, 23 years old. It's like the light bulb hits. And that's because your brain is now fully developed. Hallelujah. You're laughing, but that's called science. Okay, moving on. If you refuse to change, don't expect your life to change. If we're all honest, we all have things in our life we would like to see changed, especially things that have crippled us for years. Many of us really want our identities to change in certain areas of our life, but too many times we fall victim to the idea that God wants to only change our circumstances we face, when in fact God actually wants to change us. He wants you to not just hear His Word, He wants you to also choose to change through his word he wants you to choose his identity so you can get out of crisis now this is the ninth and final week of our series and there's one simple fact that remains one thing if you don't choose to change nothing will change your identity will remain the same Your crises will still cripple you. Your mindsets will still bind you and your perspective will still blind you unless you choose to allow God in and allow him to change you. Here's the reality. Jesus loves you. He has set you free. He has healed you and he has made you whole. But that reality won't be yours until you choose it to be and you actually live it out. Because without your participation, everything I'm saying and everything I've ever said to you is all just information. But this information, with your participation, can actually become your real transformation. Amen. Amen. She having church over there all by herself. Hallelujah. <laughs> church life is a choice. Life is a test. Some of y'all get in C-minuses and you think that's okay. You're not supposed to scrape by. Oh, come on now. You weren't here to exist. Huh. Come on. You, you just C-minus and you're like, that's good. Maybe even B, B, B-minus, Hey. You're called to thrive. Ain't nobody got an A in here and did absolutely no work. If you did, you paid a lot of money to get that. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha ha! Y'all cheaters. (laughs) Everybody laughing's like ha ha. I've been there. Oh Jesus, I'm gonna lay down an altar before I go. Praise God. Rick says that's me. Just come to the altar, brother. Come to the altar. (laughs) Church, just because you show up doesn't mean you're gonna choose to show out. You don't live right if you never want to change. You won't live right if you believe wrong. And you won't be spiritually mature if you choose to remain emotionally immature. Our identity only truly changes when we open up our hearts and allow God in to change our identity and make us whole through His Word and through His Spirit. God has already done His part, God has done everything. God has already done everything. Has he not? He has done everything. Did Jesus not come? Did he not teach us? Did, did he not have people walk? Do we not have a, a Bible that teaches us what he did? Did he not also choose to die and raise again? Did he not also give us a commission in what we should do? Did he not ascend to heaven and promise that his father is going to send another that's greater than him, the Holy Spirit? Did he not already do everything he needed to do? So now he's waiting on you. You got to make a choice and then walk it out every day. As a definition, identity is a sense of self and a sense of worth, it's a sense of who I really am at the core of my being. Because why? Identity, church, is a choice. What you choose to own becomes what you carry. And what you carry is what you identify with. And what you identify with becomes who you are, what you are, why you are, and where you are going. Okay, I'll say it one more time, then i got to keep trucking. Okay. What you choose to own, right? See, identity is a choice, and what you choose to own becomes what you carry. Because did Jesus not say that you don't have to carry that anymore? But you choose to carry it. Is his burden not light? Is his yoke not easy? Did he not already pay for all those curses? Yeah. Did, he not, did he not already pay for all those things that you keep choosing to carry? Yeah. What you choose to own becomes what you carry, and what you carry is what you identify with. Right. And what you identify with becomes who you are, what you are, why you are, and where you're going. Yeah. See, the ones that hear God's word and choose to remain the same you are choosing bondage. 2 Timothy 3, 16 17 says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and what makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. But church, you can't do good work or you can't do God's work if you don't choose to allow God's word To change you. Some people have lived with destructive things. In their life so long. They've bought into an identity. Of bondage. And this is what your identity says. Nothing will ever change. Or you'll say. Nothing has to change. Everything remains the same. When in fact the only thing. That you are choosing not to change. And the only thing that remains the same. Is your hardened heart. Jesus teaches on some writings from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and here's what he says in Matthew 13, verse 15. He says, for the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. They've closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears can't hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. See, God is able, but are you willing Eight weeks now of anointed prayer bathed messages on identity and crisis, but what have you changed to allow God to soften your heart and change your life? You gotta stop living the same way and expecting things to change. I'm gonna be real with you. It will never happen. Living the same way, thinking the same way, acting the same way, serving God the same way, and expecting things to change, it will never happen. What has happened to you doesn't have to be what defines you. What you keep choosing to do doesn't have to be your tomorrow. You don't have to own it, keep it, and live with it. God can redefine it. He can give that thing a new identity if you let him change you. Church, you gotta know what God knows. You gotta know what his word says. Choose to be whole and rise up out of that crisis. Maybe you've been bound for a really, really long time. And Jesus is asking you this morning, Would you like to be made well? Can you do yourself a solid this morning? Yeah? If you can, say yeah. Don't just listen to God's word again and choose to go unchanged. Instead, open up your life right now and ask God to change you and make you well. I want you to take a moment here before I get into into the scripture The main scripture, I want you to think really quick. What's that thing that God keeps wanting you to give to Him? You know what it is. What's that thing He wants you to keep giving to Him? And that thing He keeps reminding you of? Is this the morning you finally are going to be made well? See, God is able, but are you willing? So there's this amazing story in the Bible when Jesus stepped in and changed everything for a man. I pray that it will help you choose to identify with Christ today and not your crisis. So there was this area just inside the city of Jerusalem where these seriously ill people would come and they'd try to get healed. There was a local belief in in this area That this specific pool of water called Bethesda had a healing properties that it could change one's life. It was said that every now and then an angel would stir the waters and it would start to bubble up. And the first sick person to get into that water would be healed and set free. Let's read part of that. John chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the first four books of the New Testament. These people wrote about what Jesus did. And John, he calls himself the beloved. A lot of times he sounds arrogant, he sounds weird, right? Because you're like, he just keeps calling himself the beloved. He didn't even call himself a name. But you know what? The more I think about that, the more that I think we should probably be more like John and realize my identity is not Harris Holes Apple IV. My identity is the beloved. And so John, he really talks. If you ever want to know how much God loves you, read the book of John. It talks about the love of Jesus. And so we're going to be in John chapter 5. So John is the book. Five is the big number, and that big number represents a chapter. And we're going to start in the first verse. That's the little number. Now, the Bible was never written in books and chapters like this, but they did that, so that way I could tell you where to go and you can find it, okay? So John chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, I'm going to read NLT. This is a version that has been written from the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Greek and the Hebrew into English. And I like the NLT Preaching From because it's the most simplest and, and, and one of the most closest to understand in the original uh, text, right? Now, I personally study in the New King James Version for myself, but oftentimes I know a lot of people like to preach from other versions, but the point of communication is understanding. So that's why I want to choose Something that you can understand, but it's the closest to the original with you to understand. So that's why I chose NLT. That's why all the Bibles in here and the church are NLT. It's one of the newest versions that is the closest to God's original, but it's in the language we speak today, okay? All right, verse one. It says, afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside of the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches Now, crowds of sick people, right? Lots of them. They were blind, they were lame, and they were paralyzed, and they lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. That's a long time to be sick. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? what a strange question to ask a man who's been sick for 38 years, right? Would you like to get well, right? That's a crazy question. But Jesus never asked a foolish question in his lifetime. Obviously, this question is important for this man to answer, answer for himself the question, church, look at me. Do I want to get well or not? Following Jesus with your life comes with the understanding that there will be a willing movement that comes from your part. A lot of you are following Jesus from a distance or from a standing position. You can't do that. Jesus is moving. What makes you think you don't have to move? That's not following, that's watching. See, he walks, you follow. He talks, you listen. He ministers, you minister. He convicts, you change. He asks you, do you want to be made well? And you get to choose to answer that question. If you choose not to be made well, it's possible you could be crippled by your condition for a long time. Now, I'm not saying we can heal ourselves or set ourselves free. That's not true. Inner healing doesn't happen by yourself. Inner healing happens By the Spirit of the living God. What I am saying is Christ has already paid the ultimate price and you have a daily choice to either pick up your cross and follow him or stand there and stay unchanged. If you choose the choice, if you have this choice to choose the identity, you're going to choose bondage or you're going to choose a life and an identity of being made well by Jesus. Those are your choices. That's the choice this gentleman had. Let's get back to the story. Jesus goes up to this man at the pool with a crippling ailment, and he asks him, if he really wants to be healed, if he really wants to be changed, if he really wants to be set free, if he really wants to be made whole, Jesus doesn't ask him, do you want some money for your medicine? Some of you guys are providing natural means for people's needs when they need your supernatural means for their needs. Some of y'all do need to give some money out and help some people, right? You you wonder why you're so blessed. It's not to keep it; it's to bless others. How do I know that? Imagine if Abraham didn't do that. Moving on. Jesus doesn't ask him, "Do you want some money for your medicine?" Uh, there's a great Walgreens just around the corner, right? Right. They might even have AC in there. I know it's the Middle East; it's hot in here. I'm just playing. That's not true. This is a joke. Okay. Jesus doesn't say, do you want to not be crippled anymore? That's not what he asked him. He didn't simply take away his horrible circumstances. Jesus asked him a more important question. Now, the word made well in the Greek here, it means this, quote, to be restored to wholeness. To be restored to wholeness. So Jesus didn't offer the man to just feel better. Anybody in here sick of just feeling better? Anybody sick of just constantly taking medicine to feel better for a moment when the, when the actual healing hasn't taken place? Jesus offered him to get well, to be restored to wholeness, to no longer be crippled in his legs, to no longer be crippled in his life, to no longer be crippled by anything else he faces to be made well, to be restored to wholeness. All right, let's keep reading. John 5, we're gonna to go to the little one that says six and we'll go through nine. It says this, I'm wrapping up here and then we got something special. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? What's the guy say? I can't, sir. I can't. Can't. Ooh, sometimes you look at Jesus and you don't even know what he can do. You think he's just somebody else. You think he's just another solution that you don't understand that he is your complete healing. Yes. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. Ooh, come on. I have nobody else to put me in the pool when the water bubble up, bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Right? See, instantly it says, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Now, notice this, church. The first thing Jesus says to this man is something this man could never do on his own. Something this man has tried for 38 years. Stand up and walk. Jesus can do something in you instantly you could never, ever do within yourself. But you got to say, God, you got to have it. If you're the only one that can do it. I need you to make me well because I can't do it on my own. And I love this about the second thing. What else happened in this story? Jesus didn't merely just say, stand up and walk. Hear me, church. Jesus also said to this crippled man, pick up your max. Now, why on earth did Jesus say that? Pick up your mat, right? Oh, don't you answer it. I'm preaching. You almost got grounded. Now, why on earth did he say that? I love what Reverend G. Campbell Morgan said. He's a British evangelist and a Bible teacher. He said the reason why Jesus asked him to pick up his mat is this, quote, in order to make no provisions for a relapse, end quote. Come on now. This man might have said to himself, I'm healed, but I better leave my mat there so I can come back tomorrow in case I may need it. If he said that, he would have been back there on his mat the next day living in his crisis again. But he did not. Jesus said, take up your mat, get rid of it, don't leave it there. Church, if Jesus sets you free and makes you well, do not make provisions for a relapse. Do not make any provisions to go back on what Christ has already healed you from. Do not go back to the crisis Jesus delivered you from. Be changed, be whole, and be free. Right right. Now, many people fail in this part of the process. This is actually the part of the process you're in control of. Some of y'all have been healed and set free, and you didn't pick up your mat. You just walk right back there the next day. Come on now. Now I'm preaching church. Maybe you need to go home today and pour out the liquor, pour out the alcohol. Maybe you need to go home and get rid of the drugs. Maybe you need to burn the destructive bridges that are behind you. Say no to the friends that keep luring you into evil. Stop making excuses and start making changes. The guy said, I can't, sir. Man, you don't know who's standing in front of you. Church, you can walk on your own. You Just keep expecting to be carried. Walk. Many people want to be carried after they're healed. They expect everybody else gathered around them. Man, you, you've been so entitled. Everyone else around you to gather around you and to keep them going. That's a common area of Failure. If Jesus gives you the power to rise up, he also gives you the power to walk. It's now up to you to take up your own mat and throw it away and never look back. <laughs> Hebrews twelve two says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You don't do it looking back what God's already done and then going and lay down there again and getting into the same crisis. You pick it up, you walk, and you keep walking. You might fall, your legs might hurt again, and you might get on the ground, but Jesus picked you back up, then it's your job, pick that mat back up again and keep on walking. Lasting change doesn't happen when only our circumstances change. You gotta change how you pray. You keep praying for a circumstance when God wants to actually change you. Maybe that circumstance in your life is to grow you. It happens, see lasting change happens when you make the determination within yourself to ask God to change you. Church, do you want to be made well? Yes. See, God is able, but are you willing? Now before we go today, we got, we got somebody going to bring a short and powerful word here about her life. This this week, a sweet lady came into the office and started talking about the Lord and, and shared uh, part of her testimony and how she was delivered from a long-time addiction. She tried over and over and over and over and over again to quit on her own until one day Jesus changed it all. She picked up her mat and she never looked back. Miss Marilyn Kelly, will you please come and share part of your story? Amen. <laughs> Give him heaven.
1: Hi, um, I'm not a public speaker, so I'm saying this to you say- You are today. If, if I'm almost, just know I get so excited when I talk about the goodness of God Come on, and um, how he brought me from over there to here, to where I am. Just know that miracles do happen, you just don't hear about them. So I just wanted to share a little bit <clears throat> of what he's done for me personally. So. I was raised in Chicago on the South Side by two strict, staunch Baptist parents, so my outing was school and church, choir rehearsal, Sunday school, church, everything. So when I became an adult, I went wild. I started doing drugs. It started off with marijuana. I didn't like it because it made me down, feel down. I started doing... Crack cocaine, back then it was just cocaine, but now it's crack cocaine. And so I ran from Chicago to Dallas, Texas, from Dallas, Texas to here, trying to run from it. And that's when I discovered that drugs or addictions is not where you are. People think it's your environment, it's this, it's who you are. So it's inside of you. It just doesn't go unless you have free will to, to, to give it to the Lord. So when I moved to Texas, I went into a rehab because I had met a, a, a guy, and I didn't want the drugs to split us up. And when I was in rehab is when I found out I was pregnant. I was 31 years old, and I was pregnant for the first time. I was eight weeks pregnant. I thought about it, and I woke, when I woke up the next morning, I said, I'm going to have it. So uh, the hospital that I was in, for the rehab is the hospital that delivered my child. I didn't, and I drugged the whole time with my child. The only time I didn't drug was the 45 days I was in rehab. But one of the things I'm most thankful for to my parents is that they raised me in church. I was baptized at 10 years old. So when I was drugging, I always felt bad. I didn't do it just, you know, not thinking about it. And so when I would drug, I was just say, Lord, I can't help it. It's an addiction. And when you open up one uh, portal for, for evil or addictions, a whole lot of other ones come in there. Right. So <clears throat> I was in labor all day and didn't know it because I was high. I was high at all day. So when I went to the hospital to deliver my child, it was the same hospital that I had done rehab in. So they had my number there and they had the county sheriffs there and DHS to take my child, if your child is born addicted. Well, to make that long story short is, she was born, they took her her blood out of her little foot, she didn't have a stitch of drugs. Come on. Not a stitch of drugs, not a stitch of drugs. So that's one miracle. Now, I, 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 I learned about God through church, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. And I started thinking about, how does that happen? I was high all day, and I can remember the doctor saying, well, do it again, because she's point this, that, that positive, and they did it again. It was just no drugs. My daughter came home with me, and uh, coincidentally, she graduated from the University of Iowa. She has her master's degree, and she's a big executive in Boston right now. So God kept me. Okay, so... So I'm just trying to rush this because we've had a long day and um, I just wanted to get this. So that's the first miracle. And I started believing in God. So I went to church because my mom and dad made me. I didn't know God. What kid really does know God? So to me, then I started thinking about all the dangers seen and unseen that he kept me from. I should have been dead so many times pursuant to chasing those drugs, especially in Texas. So when I moved here... Things kind of slowed down. Things were a little bit slower here in Iowa, Pretty but good. I was still looking for the drugs. I found them here too. That's when I'm like, wow, everywhere I go, I'm looking through a, Lord, why haven't you delivered me? I went to rehab and I started back again. I, I threw away pipes, I threw away drugs, and start back again and start back again. And I'm like, one day, one night, I was getting high with a friend of mine in Cedar Rapids. I lived in Anamosa. But I was at her house in Cedar Rapids, and uh, she was in her room getting high, and I was in my little bedroom getting high. My daughter was asleep on the bed, and I just like, Lord, I'm ready for you to take this away. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I started praying like that, and all of a sudden, the room, there was a presence in the room. There literally was a light in the room. This is of biblical proportions, and... I said, Lord, is that you, or, or am I high? And, and, and it was a touch on my, on my forehead just to let me know. It was a, like a Holy Spirit. Well, when God is in your presence, or where you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know Satan is there too. He's there too. So I'm saying, is that you? God, what do you want me to do? You want me to get rid of it? Okay, I'm gonna go throw it away. I tried to leave the room. And the door wouldn't open. And then a voice in my head said, "Now you don't want to throw that away. You're going to get mad at yourself, and tomorrow you're going to go buy some more." So yep. yeah, well, you know, same, he was right there. Yep. And then a voice out of my mouth came and said, "Move out the way, devil!" And the door <laughs> swung open. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. The door swung open, and I got rid of the drugs. And I did, and came back. And there was like a chant. To me, it seemed like it lasted for an hour. But I said, yes, Lord, I'm ready for you to take this away. He said, it's your will. And I'm like, yes, Lord, take it off of me. I don't want it anymore. I'm tired of hurting my mom and my dad and lying and, and just all of the bad stuff that comes with it. And so this went on for a few minutes. And then it's like somebody, he took a, a shield off of me. It started from my top of my head and it peeled down through my body all the way through my body. And to me, I believe that my body was elevated. My spirit was elevated out of my body. And from that day on, I've never been to a, a, a narcotic anonymous. I've never, I've never dreamed about it. I don't think about it. Okay. I don't think about it. I don't dream. Thank you. I don't, I don't dream about it. It was gone instantly. The next day, that when my girlfriend got up, she was like, Meryl, what's wrong with you? I said, I had the weirdest experience. She said, Well, first of all, you're glowing. It was almost, it made me think of Moses when he went, you know, I'm not saying that I'm holier than thou, but there was a, a, a look, there was a presence on me for a long time. And the people, I went to Chicago that weekend to tell my parents for the last time, because you know how we lie, no, I'm not doing drugs, yeah, yeah. When they saw me, they said, What's, what's going on? You look different. I'm saying that to say you cannot have a relationship with God and be the same. I don't talk the same. I don't walk the same. I don't do the same thing. He delivered me. So the first miracle was my my daughter who didn't have a stitch of drugs. And the other miracle is where he came to where I was in a house on on the northeast side of Cedar Rapids. So It's the trick of the enemy when he tells you it's too late for you. As long as you've got breath in your body, as long as you can get up, he will never give up on you, so don't give up on him. He may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. He's always on time. When I tell you that after that, after that experience, and that was 31 years ago, the cigarettes left, the, 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 Bad language, you know, the cursing and all of that left. Then I became a foster parent. I had 31 teenage girls, and I'm on boy number 76. And I'm very successful with it. So what God had for me was for me. Now, this may not be for you, but this may reach one person who's struggling and thinking that, oh, I can't go to church. I can't ask God to do this because I wasn't going to him when I was well. That's just a trick of the enemy. He loves you. Uh, Satan didn't create you. So he has no control over you. It's free will. And when I gave it up to him and I'm like, what makes this time so different? Lord, I've tried to give this stuff up so many times and it didn't happen. But he knows, he knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. And that's when I said, God wasn't with me. He was carrying me. There was only one set of footprints in the sand. He was carrying me. So I just wanted to share that with you. If it reaches anyone, just know. And if you need help with something, don't be ashamed. I told God, deliver me from this, and I'll never be ashamed to tell the story. That's my story, and I'm not ashamed of it. Thank you.
0: on now brent will you please come up church you got to tell the lord you're ready to change i know we're going late you got to leave leave but there's ministry to be done in just a moment you got to tell the lord you're ready to be made whole ready to stand up and walk and no longer be crippled by what ails you Pick up your mat and walk. See, John eight thirty six says, So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. God's saying to us this morning, it is possible for your identity to change. Stop the excuses and why you won't change. Get to the point that you choose to give God access to your life to make you well, then take up your mat and follow Jesus. Now, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was hanging on a cross, and he said three amazing words that cause triumph in every believer's life It is finished. John 19, 30 says, when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus paid the ultimate penalty for us. And when he rose from the grave three days later, he broke the power of sin, sickness, death, addiction, anything, and hell itself once and for all. Now we get to the point we finally surrender completely to God and we say to Jesus. I want to be made well. And we say, I choose you. That's when Jesus steps in and says, you are made well. Now get up, take your mat, and walk. Follow me. When God does a work in your life, it is already done. But the choice is now yours. Will you choose to live out that life or not? Now, we have all things in our life that we'd like to be changed, especially things that have crippled us for years. Many of us even want our identities to change, but too many times we fall victim to the idea that God only wants to change our circumstances, but when, in fact, God actually wants to change you. He wants you to not just hear his word, he wants you to also choose to change through his word. He wants you to choose his identity so you can get out of crisis just like it happened for Miss Marilyn. Now, this is the final sermon on identity and crisis, and the simple fact remains alone. If you don't choose to change, nothing will change. Your identity will remain the same. Your crisis will cripple you. Your mindsets will bind you. Your incorrect perspective will still blind you unless you choose to allow God in and allow Him to change you. But the reality is this Jesus loves you. He does. He died for you. He set you free, He's healed you, and He's made you whole. But the reality will not be yours until you choose it to be and you actually choose to live it out. Fellow humans, Life's a choice. Life's a test. So what are you really willing to give to Christ? Will you stand? Michael and your team, will you come and line the front and face the church, please? See, without your participation, this is all just information. A long time of information. A long church service. That's all this is. But this godly information with your participation, I'm telling you, church, it can become your incredible transformation. If you want that, come now. Come now. Line in front of them. Come now. Face these people down here that have been praying. Come now. If you want to be transformed, if you want to be made whole, if you want to be made well, if you're tired of being in the same thing all the time, if you're tired of these cycles, if you're tired of just picking up your mat and then going back to it, if that's you, if you want to come, come now. Come now. We're going to pray for you. Come now. Come now, come now, Michael and team. Just start here. Actually, this is anointing oil. All this represents is the power and the presence of God. Ladies, will you will you will you move around and minister to multiple? Go ahead and lay hands. Just minister. Walk around. I'm gonna we'll say one more thing. We're gonna pray and you're gonna sing because nobody wants to hear that from me. Praise God. Um, but somebody in here today needs to hear this verse. Everyone listen before you go. Here's the verse. You need to declare this over your life. Some of you have believed the lie of the enemy that you are going to die because of this. Here's what Psalm one eighteen seventeen 17 says. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Amen? Church, if you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to go, you can go. But if you stay, I'm going to ask you to either come up here and get ministered to these people that want bondage in their life to be broken. They want to be made well. They want to change. If you're going to stay, please pray. Extend your hands. Pray for the ones, because God is going to do a work in the house today. As we worship, feel free to go. If you want to talk, please do it in the foyer. Don't forget, men's uh, ministry, you can sign up. Uh, four as you leave. And then also Wednesday night, uh, bring some food. We're going to have a big family night Wednesday night for the adults. We love you. We're so glad and excited for what God is doing in the house. Amen.